Yeah, all right. How's everybody doing? Good? Hey, welcome to, uh, welcome to Flatirons. Welcome all our campuses together right now. Everybody say hi to our brothers down at Lyman who are listening. Yeah, good, good. And uh, last week there was like 45,000 people online, so hi to you as, as well. Uh, welcome back to week three or day 15 of this 35-day challenge that several thousand of us started a couple weeks ago and several thousand of us have messed up. Yeah, we know who you are, right? right? But that, don't quit, right? We restart, all right? Over, over the last couple of weeks, we're going to keep on going, all right? The challenge consists of this. We're doing five things every day, 15 minutes of physical ac- exercise, and we talked about that. We're not trying to get in shape. We're just, anyway, so we're going to read our Bibles every day. We're going to talk about prayer today. Uh, we talked about sacrifice last week and then uh, service, all right? And so we're going to do these things, all right? And every day... Uh, uh, doing something different in our life, all right? Doing a, an intentional act of service for somebody. Uh, five things every day for 35 days in a row. And the goal is, is, is simply this. We want all the parts of our life, remember this, all the quadrants of our life, our, our heart, our soul, our mind, and strength. We want to learn new habits and like new muscle memories, all working together under the leadership and the direction. Uh, the church word for it is the lordship of Jesus Christ. All of our parts of our life working together. And our goal is simple. Not easy, but it's very simple. We just want our lives and our relationships with God to get better. And then out of that, we want our lives with the most important people in our lives to get better as well. And we want to do this as individuals. And we also want to do this as a church community called Flatirons. So again, last week we looked at, at, uh, or two weeks ago, we looked at physical exercise, uh, something every day we're going to discipline our bodies, train our bodies, remind our bodies that they work for us, we don't work for them, right? And our body's tendencies to, to get broken or tired or, or driven by addiction or hormones or endorphins or, or bad habits, okay? We, we are very much aware that even if our heart, soul, and minds are focused on God, all right, we know this is true, all right? Our bodies, if left unchecked, can hijack our lives, Right, Paul, Paul uh, the guy who wrote that part of the Bible, he actually says, I can be disqualified even though my heart's set on Jesus, all right? Then last week we looked at sacrifice, and the idea, the reality goes like this, due to limited time, ability, energy, and money, we really can't have it all. Sorry, we can't, all right? So we have to make choices, choices to sacrifice, to lay down or let something, uh, let, let, let go of some things that are somewhat important. But we lay them down in order to make room for and fully take hold of something that is more important. And the best way to determine what is most important to a person, at least according to Jesus, right? And you emailed him because I ticked you off last week. But anyway, the way you know what's important in your life is ask this question. Who gets first crack at my money? Because where your money is, there your heart will be also. Jesus said that. So where we landed last week was this. is If we as a church, we really want to run after and make a difference in the life of the next generation of kids and students coming behind us. If that's really important to us, then we have to pray about what we need to do. Not if we need to do something, but what we need to do. Then say amen, get up off our knees and spend our money differently. Intentionally prioritizing what God might want to do in the next generation through this church called Flatirons. Right? And by the way, you all responded beautifully. I mean, you guys, you guys ran towards this, uh, going after this next generation. So, and, and online, you, you responded beautifully. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, at the bottom of your app, at the bottom of the website, is a give button there. And you can find out more about what we're doing to run after the next generation. Which actually kind of segues perfectly into what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the concept or the, the, this thing called prayer. We're going to talk about prayer today. Now, here's what just happened in this room and in any room listening to my voice right now. You heard the word prayer and you thought different things, several things, one of many things, all right? And I know this because I was raised in rooms like this. I spent a majority of my life in rooms like this, and I know what's going through our heads. You heard prayer, and different groups heard different things. Uh, let me talk to the super spiritual holy rollers, all right? 
She's like, you heard prayer and went, oh, praise the Lord. I don't know why you went into a southern accent, but you did, all right? Um, oh, great, let's talk about prayer. We should talk about prayer. Praise Jesus, praise Jesus, right? And, you, and when you heard prayer, you actually did this. Mm. You couldn't help it. You let out a verbal, mm. That's, that's how you know who the holy rollies are, rollers are. I'll say something they really, they can't help, but they just go, mm, it'll just come out. We're going to call these the soul people, okay? The soul group. People who, who really are tied into how something feels. They also are the same people that usually have both hands up in the air when a worship song takes it up a notch, so you get an mm and a touchdown. There, okay? <laughs> go ahead and point at them right now. It's like, you mm, I heard you, right? Right, so. Next, uh, next uh, let's call them the, the heart people, okay? The heart, these are the people sitting here going, oh, yes, yes. Uh, spiritually mature people. They heard the word prayer, and they think, that's good. That prayer's a good thing. I think good religious type people ought to pray a lot without ceasing, especially that Lord's Prayer. That's a good one. I memorized that when I was a kid, that and a couple of Hail Marys, and it gets the job done, all right? So and here's what some of you are going, I'm pretty good at praying, all right? I know, I know how to use my these and thous pretty well. I'm not saying I'm connected, but I pray for the Broncos, and we're two and O, oh, all right? So <laughs> praise the Lord, all right? This is saying, all right? So then, then there's the third group. I'm going to call them the strength group. And that's what we're just trying hard. We're trying to gut out a prayer. Like, I'm, I'm, really, I'm going to try harder to pray. pray I'm going to buckle down. And, and uh, so here I go. Dear God or Jesus, I don't know which one I'm supposed to talk to. Right? Um, thank you for this day. Um, and birds and a squirrel. And you're off, you know. It's like you're just distracted. And you sit there going, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm rambling. Why am I thinking about lunch and UFOs and Bon Jovi songs? Why? I don't know. So we're trying hard. We're just trying to gut it out and be a better prayer, right? So this brings me to the fourth group, the mind group. And that's what I want to talk to you. I'll get back to them in just a minute. But here's what I know about prayer from my own experience and from my own efforts around prayer. And, and from any time that I mention prayer up here uh, in one of my talks, the feedback from you all, the questions from a lot of you, here's where a lot of us, if not most of us, land when it comes to our own prayer life. We suck at it. I get this all the time going, I just, I can't, I can't do this prayer thing, all right? I mean, not always. I mean, every once in a while, all right, you know, we'll get some goosebumps, all right, or feel something from God during your prayer. But most of the time, it feels like anybody, it just feels like you're talking to yourself or maybe like throwing like, some outward processing out to the universe. And, and I would say personally, especially true in my life, when something bad or hard is happening, something painful or scary or doesn't make sense, then my prayer life turns into, it can run the whole spectrum what, what what prayer is. Like, like I'll find myself when things are really bad, begging God in desperation to change things. Anybody? Something that I don't like and I, I need him to fix it. I don't want that to happen. Something that all I can see is if that happens, it would be bad. Or if it doesn't happen, that would be bad. And somewhere in that prayer, you'll find me making a multitude of promises and wheeling and dealing and making bargains with God that if God will do something with the outcome that I want done, then I'll do something he, he, he wants done. Anybody ever made a bargain with God? Yeah. And then over here at the other end of the spectrum, uh, my prayer life can really, I can get mad at God and spend my whole prayer yelling at him. Like, hey, hey, God, I, I'm really angry with you because you allowed something or you did something or you caused something that I consider wrong to happen to me or somebody I really care about. And in that prayer, I do, I've done this. I've let God know that I'm seriously considering leaving him, right, and turning my back on him if he doesn't get his stuff together the way I told him to get it together. Anybody else pray that prayer? Four of us. You guys are such liars. Um, so, but probably the most common thing I hear, uh, my own questions and from, from you all around prayer, is simply this. I don't know how I should pray. And I don't know what I should pray. And I really don't know why I should pray. And that's what I want to unpack today. 
All right, those three hurdles when it comes to prayer. Then I'm going to throw out a couple ideas, and then we're going to get up and we're going to go home, and we're going to try, we're going to train, right? We're going to train ourselves to do some things different. So let's go back to this purpose of this 35-day challenge. What we said is driving it is we want our lives with God to get better. So I'm going to go out here on a limb and say this. I think we would all agree with this. Our lives with God would, would be better if we had a certain level of confidence that we and God were on the same page. Would you agree with that? Okay, we're kind of flowing in the same way. If we had a certainty that we're headed in the same direction, and hopefully God and us kind of want the same things. I heard one author, because I'm reading books now, right, he put it this way, we want to live a life of more effective cooperation with Christ and his kingdom. I want my life and, and God to, 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 co- to cooperate with one another. The way we say it around here a lot is this, we just want to live a with God kind of life. You heard me say that. I, I, want, I want to approach everyday life and its challenges from the perspective of, hey God, this is prayer, what are you and I going to do about this today together? Not what are you going to do or what do you want me to do, what are we going to do it together? And then because you and God are on the same page, united that you, you want the same things, you'll go after it together. That's the life we're going for. Does that make sense? The way Jesus said it, when he was kind of throwing out like an excellent example of, of, of a way to pray, probably the most famous prayer in the, in the world, he goes like this, this is from Jesus, he said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so if you look at that, Jesus is kind of like, this prayer 101. The first thing is prayer begins with acknowledging who you're talking to. You're my father. In other words, who is this God that I'm talking to? I'm not talking to the ceiling. I'm not talking to the universe. Who is it that I'm talking to? Followed by this, Jesus says, I'm going to set the agenda for whatever follows in this conversation with God. So this is who I'm talking to, and here's what I want. Namely, I'm trying, or, or my goal in talking to you today, God, is to figure out, God, what you are up to and what you might want to do in my life, in my earthly, physical life, so that it can line up with what you've done in the spiritual realms. I want those things to be the same thing, and I don't know how to do that. Now, here's the thing that, that we or I miss when it comes to those two goals of prayer, knowing who God is and figuring out what God is doing or what he wants done. And it's this, okay? Let's see if this resounds, right? Knowing who God is and what God is really like, and then knowing and recognizing what God is doing and he wants done, takes a lot of time and training. It's not automatic. You get baptized and now I know God's will. I know. See, Jesus knew that learning to pray effectively wouldn't come naturally or easily. It would take a lot of time, a lot of practice, a lot of reps. Especially when crisis and confusion and pain and fear and disappointment and unexpected circumstances feel threatening and overwhelming. When those times hit your life, that had better not be the first time you've tried to figure out who God is, what he's like, and what he might be doing. Because in those horrible moments, you won't like the answers you'll land on. In the middle of a crisis, it's not a good time to figure out who God is. Uh, here's the way. Crisis and hardship will reveal your idea of God more than help form it. Does that make sense? So this all happens... God, you must be like that. And here's what I mean by that. Like, and, and, and it takes us back to that, that part that we skipped, the, the mind, okay? The mind is the most important part of you. So no, the heart, no, the mind. What do you mean? Because the mind is our thoughts and our ideas and belief systems that we believe are true and therefore can be trusted. When you think about it, how about this? It means this. How you think about God, what you think about God, is the number one influence over your level of faith. Because your thoughts determine what you believe is true about God or about anything, and your beliefs determine who and what you will trust. So if you think, if you think God's like this, then you'll approach him like this and, and, and have this level of faith in him. But if God is like that, then you'll approach God like that, and then you'll respond appropriately with that mindset. Does that make sense? It's all about this. 
So, I'm, again, I'm, 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 I'm reading, right? I'm, I'm, I've discovered a great author, right? This name. His name is Tim Keller. Um, read anything he writes. It's just fantastic, all right? But Tim Keller uh, writes that there are three ways to live, or at least when, how to live when it comes to approaching God. He threw out three words, and I, I want to unpack them with you. There's an irreligious way. There's a religious way. And then he calls it, there's a gospel way to approach God. Irreligious means I'm just going to avoid God altogether by ignoring him. You know? So some people claim that God has no voice or authority in their life, either because there is no God, or if there is a God, he's either unable or unwilling to help, so I'm on my own, so I'm not going to pray. Although, this is interesting, in one study, 95% of atheists admit to praying to something or someone sometime in their life, just in case. Right? So, Okay. So irreligious. The second way to approach God is be, by being religious. What do you mean by that? We, we live good, moral lives, and we try to live in such a way that while we may not be perfect, we are better than we used to be, and we're better than most people in the room. And our hope, our hope is that, that when we present that kind of good moral life, that religious effort to God, it will end with a hoped-in outcome that, that, that he owes us. I've been living a good life, God. You, you kind of owe me to do some stuff for me. You kind of work for me now. We don't say that out loud, but that's, that's religion, all right? The biblical term for that is called self-righteousness. We obey God so that he will save us and he'll accept us and then do stuff for us. Our, prior, our prayer life is mostly asking God to do stuff for me and to control my environment the way I want it to be controlled. That's religion. The problem with the religious life, and a lot of us grew up that way and we walked away from it, right, is that our prayer life and the prayer life that comes out of religion is this, when it works... It comes with a, a bit of pride. We look at our life and, and, and God's answering our prayer and we go, my good life and my good works caused God to do what I wanted him to do. Kind of like I have discovered as a religious person the secret code or combination to get God to say yes to me. So when it works, it feels good and prideful. But when it doesn't work, the only logical conclusion would be the opposite. I must not be good enough or I'm doing something wrong and that's why God won't do what I ask him to do. We get frustrated with God. Or to put it in a nutshell, religion always ends up in one of two places. There's something wrong with me. I'm not good enough or doing enough of the right things. Or there's something wrong with God. Either God can't help me or he won't help me. And either way, after enough of that, you just give up and quit. Which is a lot of our stories. So you have irreligion. God is irrelevant, therefore I'm not going to pray. Then you have religion. If I live a good moral life, God will accept me. And if he accepts me, he will do stuff I ask him to do for me. But then Keller presents that, that third way to approach life in God, and it's called, it's called gospel. We've heard that, that word maybe a lot in our life, but let me, let me give you a definition of gospel. Gospel is purely and simply the message of the good news that even though I was so bad that Jesus had to die for me, Jesus also loved me so much he was glad to die for me and offer me grace and forgiveness and acceptance as a free gift. That's the, that's the good news. That's the, that's the gospel, right? Where does that come from? Remember, probably the most famous verse in the whole Bible goes like this. For, let's just say it together. One, two, three. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's the gospel. 
The good news is this. If you're new to church world, right, the good news is this. No matter who you are or what you have done, because God loves you right now in this moment, as you are, before you change anything, and we know that because God has already sent his son to, pay, to die as a payment for anything that you have done, what you're doing right now, or what you will do in the future, that has the potential to separate you from God, that's love. It's already happened, it's already in place, and it's available to you. That gospel message is available to you if you'll just believe it and receive it and accept it for your own life. You'll, you'll be forgiven, you'll be saved. What do I have to do? Accept it, period. Now, if that's true, then it answers all the questions that need to be answered. So who is this God that I'm praying to and talking to, and what's he like? He's the almighty creator of the universe, and he loves you. Well, how do I know he loves me, and that I can trust him? Because he already sent Jesus to you before you changed anything, did anything, improved anything in your life that religion would try to to point to as proof you're worth saving. No, before you changed anything, he loved you. He declared you saved. He declared you forgiven. He gave you his own righteousness and accepted you before you changed a thing. What's God want from you? What does God want from you? Write this down. Nothing. What do you mean? Because you have nothing to offer him that he needs. Instead, Jesus taught that God wants something for you. He wants you to have an experience of abundant life which can only be found in Jesus. Therefore, the only thing God wants for you is he wants you to trust his son Jesus. So if you were to approach this kind of God, a loving one, who does these kind of things, giving and saving things, and he wants good for you, like everlasting good, abundant life, if you were to approach that kind of God in your prayer life, would it change the way that you pray? If that's who you're talking to. For example, when something bad happens in your life or your job or your marriage or your family or your health, and you look at it and go, I don't know how to fix this, our first prayer is usually this, dear God, change it. Change it, change the, make, change the outcome, make it stop, make it start, make something happen. Now, time out. I can find plenty of verses in the Bible where God invites us, we just sang songs about this, to come to him with our burdens and our needs. But let's be honest, okay, let's be logical for a second, okay? If God is the most intelligent being in the universe, and if he's God, he is, and if God knows more than, uh, he has more information than you and I have, And if God is a God of love and he wants good for me, and if God has a plan for me to experience an abundant life, if all that's true, here's my question whenever I run into hard times. Should my first prayer to God be giving him advice on what he ought to do in a situation? Right? It's like God's in heaven and and I'm praying and he's going, whoa, time out, Jim. Great idea. (laughs) I was stuck. I didn't know. We're going to go with your plan, Jim. Way to go. Thank you. Right? Really? Really? See, what if our prayer was more like the prayer of Jesus on the night that he was arrested? That's a hard circumstance. He asked God, some of us miss this, he actually asked God, hey, God, if it is possible to accomplish what needs to be accomplished in any other way than me dying on a cross, if it's possible to to join people back to you and have their sins forgiven, other than me going to the cross, could we look at that? But if this is the only way through to accomplish what God wants to accomplish, Jesus says, then I am in, I'm fully in, I trust you. Let's do this, Let's, let's go your way, your will be done. See, he wasn't simply asking, like I do, for a possible change in his circumstances. He was asking for strength and assurance and understanding in those circumstances to move forward with what God was doing in a really, really tough circumstance. And since he trusted his father, he kept going. He wanted the same thing his father wanted. And that's where Jesus and I are very different sometimes. One of many ways, right? See, I'm I'm studying... I'm studying my own prayer life in preparation to teach you all about prayer today, and I had a horrible aha moment as I'm writing this talk 
my, my aha moment is basically this. I think I'm a really selfish person. See, I, here's somebody going, we, we knew that before you, right? <laughs> Shut up. So, so listen, I know, I know what God's will for my life is most of the time. In, in, in like the thing that God's telling me to do, all right? I get it. I hear you, God. Here's, here's the problem. I don't want to do it. I look at all the heads. It's like, I'm not the only one good, all right, right? I want something else. I'll give, I'll give you a couple examples, all right? I, I know, some of you are going to leave the church after this, but oh well, all right? So I know that it is God's will that we ought to forgive our enemies and people who have hurt us and betrayed us. I don't have to pray about that, right? Before I bow my head, I know that if I were to ask God about that, he would say, hey, Jim, you need to choose to forgive him or her. Here's the other thing. If any of you came up after church and said, hey, you know, and defended the person, the, 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 the people that I'm talking about, and told me I needed to work on, on forgiving them, I'd look at you and go, thank you, pound sand. Go get out of my face, all right? Why? Because I don't want to forgive. I, actually, uh, <laughs> it's darker. I want to hurt them back like they hurt me. Total disclosure, if I, I have a list <laughs> that if Jesus gave me a pass, I'd stab him in the neck with a pen. I really would, all right? And they're on the list. They're number one and two. Does anybody else have a list like that if Jesus gave you a pass? And some of you are going, I do, all right? But here's why. Here's why. I made up my mind. In my mind, I don't, I don't want to forgive him. My, my soul feels really icky about it because what I claim to believe is very, very different. My heart is torn in two because it, it's like logically they really hurt me, but I know that God wants me to do this. And the only reason my, my body hasn't carried out what I th- thought about and rehearsed about doing to them is I don't want to get caught <laughs> or fired. But if I had a pass from Jesus and a get-out-of-jail-free card, um, it wouldn't go well for them or me. Even, even though I know in my mind, if I were to make them pay and make them hurt like they hurt me, it wouldn't change anything. And it wouldn't make me feel better long term. Right away, maybe. But long term wouldn't change anything. See, I, I know some of you are thinking, going, wow, that's our pastor. Yeah, I just don't think I'm the only one. So some of you, again, you, you might, I expect, you're going to email me and say, you should be more mature than that. You need to pray about your anger and forgiveness for those people. I know. I don't want to. Right? So I have three options. I can go irreligious. I don't care if there's a God. I don't care what he wants me to do. I'm not going to do it. Right? I can go religious. I can either externally act like I've forgiven them and maybe fool you all and you'll think I'm a better person than I am. Or I can find some Bible verses that say people like that deserve to get stabbed in the neck. And therefore, my lack of uh, forgiveness and my anger and is justified. Or I could try really hard to forgive them, gut it out, hoping that God will see my effort you know, earn some points with God, even though inside I'm still being eaten up. That's religion. Doesn't change anything. Or I could go with option three, and this is the one I'm trying. Gospel. What's that look like? What if? And again, this is this is don't don't give up on me because this is the one I'm leaning into, right? What if I began to sit in the reality, what if I were to bring before God in prayer over and over and over every day my gratitude and my thankfulness for what He has already done for me? 
The reality that God loved me so much that he sent his one and only son to buy forgiveness of the things that I have done in God's direction multiple times that are far worse than what those people have done to me, and he chose to forgive me anyway. My question is, if I began to really sit in that and live in that and pray in that in the reality of the gospel over and over, remembering and giving thanks to what God, to what he has done for me, is he saved me. He saved me from hell, but he also saved me in this life. If I were to spend time in prayer talking to God, remembering and rehearsing the good things that God has done in my life and continues to do in my life and in the world, if I were, if I were to spend most of my conversation time with God seeking understanding and intentionally looking for what good thing God might be up to in my life and in the world around me, I'm just wondering if after a season or two of that, not a day or two of that, this is going to be a long-term thing, all right? I've got to train my mind to think differently. But a season of, of, of training myself to spend time every day with God, remembering who he is and thanking him for what he has done and asking him to show me what he is doing so I can be a part of it. I'm just wondering, out of the overflow of that, I might become a forgiving person. And forgiving my enemies would happen, not out of effort, but out of the overflow of the gospel. Realizing who God is and what he's like and what he wants. What if that's the purpose of prayer? Right? Again, you see us, Lewis, famous, he says this, prayer doesn't change God. Why would we want to change God? Prayer changes us. And I just, this isn't in my notes. I, just, so I was reading Keller, and he says a lot of times what we try to do with our hearts is we try to bend them in the right direction. We try to force ourselves to be good people, force ourselves to do this, force our hearts to become something they're not. But that's very temporary. You can fake it for a while for anything. But you know what the gospel does? It melts our hearts. And they become soft again. We realize how much grace and forgiveness that we've been given. So I'm doing the... 15-minute walk with Robin as part of the app this week. Robin's my wife, and I, and I was talking through this talk with her, and at some point in our walk, she shared, I'm really frustrated. She has some people in her life, she says, I always have to be the one to make the first move. I'm the one that calls, I'm the one that texts, I'm the one that invites, and I, I just wish for one time that my friend would come in my direction, just once. And it, we just walked for a little while, and I had this aha moment, I went, I wonder if Jesus ever wonders the same thing. He's always coming in my direction. I wonder if he ever wishes that I would come in his direction. What do you think about this, Jesus? So here's the assignment, all right, on this prayer app, all right? So in this guided prayer, things you're thankful for, things you need from God, things someone else needs from God, do anything you want. I'm just going to ask you to add something to it. What, what are you thankful for? What if you put this, I'm so thankful for grace, just truckloads of grace. I heard Dallas Willard say, I burn grace like a 747 taking off. All right? I, I mean, I need a lot of grace. And you know what? I have it. You do too. What if you say, hey, before you can get into what I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for my job and my health. I'm just thankful that you've forgiven me and continue to forgive me over and over and over. What if that's where you started? And then what do you need from God? You probably need a lot of things from God. Here's what I need. I need more grace. I need more of his, I need more of his presence in my life. I need him in my heart. Because my heart is a mess. I just need more of your presence, God. I don't need more money. I don't need that to change. I don't need that. Because all that changes, and if this isn't, doesn't change, then it, it's a moot point. So I'm asking for more of you. What's somebody else need from God? I bet they need grace. I bet they need forgiveness. And since they're not really familiar with God, maybe I could give it to them. 
Maybe I could give grace to some people. Maybe that's what they need. Would you be willing to do that this week? It's called the gospel. If you missed everything else I said today, God loves you. And if you'll receive what he did for you on a cross, you'll be forgiven. Well, then what do I have to do? Just, I don't know. Listen to him. He'll tell you what comes next, all right? About a year ago, uh, we did a series called Revival. Some of you were here, and it was based on a, a verse that says this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. It all starts with us connecting to God through prayer, hearing what he's, what he's about, what he's like, and then healing comes. And I, I need some, anybody else need some healing? I do. All right. We're going to sing one more song came out of that series. Uh, and then um, even if you've made a mistake on your app, start over and keep going. All right. Let's stand up. I'm going to pray and we'll worship together. God, we thank you for grace, grace upon grace upon grace. Truckloads of grace, 747s full of grace because we need, we just burn it every day. We need more. So we're asking for more grace and more love and more presence and more awareness of who you are. And it just overwhelms us. We've tried to change our lives on our own. we just out of strength and we, we just can't muster it. And so from the inside out, God, we're asking you to do what only you can do. So if we do nothing else this week, accomplish nothing else this week, if we have some conversations just going, hey, thank you, God, for grace and forgiveness and love, and can I have some more of it? And maybe our mission in the world isn't to go change the world, become missionary somewhere. Maybe we're going to bump into somebody to, this week that probably deserves payback and probably deserves to get hurt like they've hurt. But what if, what if we extended grace? The same kind of grace that you've given to us. I just think that's a good start. God, we love you. Thank you for your son Jesus. It's in his name we pray and we worship. Amen.